Hello and welcome everyone. This is your host, Muhannad Al-Sheikhi. And this is Hannah Wright. And this is You Could Do That on Television, the podcast where we talk about old reality TV shows and all the stuff that you can make today. Exactly. And today we are going to be talking about a show from 2010 mm-hmm. that lasted for one season on E! called Pretty Wild. Yeah. And this was a very fun show to revisit. And yeah, I agree. I, yeah. Um, we actually have a guest with us today that yeah. was on the show. A guest that we promised weeks ago. Yes. Uh, but finally, <laughs> we're here. Yes. We got it. So we have Alexis with us from Pretty Wild. How are you? Thanks for being here, Alexis. Hi guys. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so sorry that I missed you guys a few weeks ago. I don't recall what happened, but I know my life right now is so full so i appreciate you being fun no of, of course, course yeah. yeah i think last time there was a flood in new york yes. so we had to cancel right yeah oh it was you guys okay good <laughs> i feel so bad because i'm usually the one that canceled and i hate that because i i try to do my best to be like a woman of my word and to follow through but my life is so full that it's you know no we totally get that inevitable and i have to like prioritize but no, that, that um, I hope you guys sense. are okay since the flood. That sounded pretty gnarly. Yeah. We did. We survived. Yeah. Yeah. We, we made it through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to make a bad joke of I should have said pretty wild, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that it, it's applicable here. It sure um, is. No, I'm glad you guys are okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank so, so pretty wild. So, this was your first time ever watching the show, right, Mohanad? Yes, I haven't watched the show before. I watched it when it was on. What, what's like? What's your synopsis of what it was about? I think. I mean, like knowing the uh, knowing the background of it and everything. I kind of like knew what I was getting into. Right. I wasn't sure like how it was at the time. Like was like I don't know if it was like coming an episode each week or something or it was just like aired at the same time when it first came out well i think it was one each week yeah because it exactly. was pre-streaming but i watched it the whole this all of the course, same day yeah yeah so, so so it was about alexis and her family or that was originally what the show was intended to be about just like following you and your family basically and then the show ended up sort of following your court case for the the bling ring burglaries that happened at that time and sort of mm-hmm. your trial um, and all, all of the drama that went along with that. Um, so it ended up being like more of a crazy show than I think the producers or anyone ever intended it for it to be and mm-hmm. ended up being more infamous and sort of having that effect. Um, so the show, yeah. So first, my first question for you after rewatching the show is what exactly does and so it is mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a great first question, actually. Um, so the original premise of the show was supposed to be kind of like an alternative, crunchy version to the Kardashians, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, totally. And so um, we grew up with a mom who was kind of this like free-spirited Buddhist hippie chick who followed the teachings of a man named Ernest Holmes and the philosophy is called the science of mind it's all it's it's basically a lot of what we call now like new age philosophy mm-hmm. right and um and so they believe in like the power of manifestation quantum theory 
the power of the mind, your ability that, you know, your mind is basically like an extension of the divine and you're able to co-create and manifest with whatever consciousness is, right? Mm -hmm. Like this kind of, um, some people call it God, some people call it the universe. It doesn't really matter. It's all the same thing. But they don't, at the end of their prayers, which sound different than the standard, dear God, please, X, Y, and Z, they, they pray more like in the affirmative. Mm. Like, I know that I am healthy. I know, right? It's more of like saying affirmations. And okay. instead of saying amen, although some of us, I mean, we do say amen. That's, so that's not actually entirely accurate, but um, we close out our um, affirmations with an, an affirmative saying, which is, and so it is, right? So we are claiming that mm. it is so. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Yeah. So oh, you okay. could say, I'll give you an example. And like, maybe this, you'll cut this and maybe you won't. So in many religions, as I was saying, it probably sounds like, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you. You know, please watch over my children. Please, 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 please. please. Like you're asking God, mm -hmm. but um, in Ernest Holmes teaching, like you are a co-creator with God. Like God is within you. God is everything. Oh. And so you say, God, I'm trusted. No, right here and right now that my children are healthy. I know that I am healthy. I know that I am abundant. I know. And then you finish everything that you say with. And so it is. Gotcha. So yeah, I like, like that. Yeah, like it's like you said, it's like manifesting. And I feel like during the show, your your mom has mentioned the the secret was the secret, mentioned multiple yeah. times. Is the secret from those yeah. same teachings? The earnest. Well, I, it's interesting. Like the secret, it, how that kind of came into play. So I definitely want to say my mom is a is is actually she has her PhD in. Mm. Uh, religious science oh, wow. so she is an incredibly smart woman she's a minister she um really knows this stuff but what's so interesting is um so we grew up with this and at the time in like the the 90s to early 2000s most people <coughs> excuse me most people didn't understand like most people weren't um it wasn't like the boom of the 2000s where everyone started to do yoga and get into Buddhism and like meditation was the cool thing and green juice mm -hmm. and like none of that existed. And so when we were explaining to the producers originally um, kind of the concept of our show, mm -hmm. we had mentioned the secret mm. and they kind of took that and ran. I will say the secret is kind of like a very corny pop culture uh, depiction of what we believe in practice. It's not actually yeah. like a, 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 it's not the, the Bible kind of, of this of study. We yeah. Were. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. But it turned into that. And I think that, you know, just because we were, um, we were committed to the plot, we ran with it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. no, that makes sense because I feel like the secret truly was like a phenomena for a while. Like everyone was watching the documentary. Yeah. Everyone, like I read the book too when it first came out. We watched the movie in my college in like a class. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm being like, what's this class for? Yeah, and it kind of like you know, like imp 
like the idea itself, like the manifesting itself, it makes sense to me. But yeah. I feel like you said the secret kind of like pushes it too hard and it gets corny. Yeah. I like know? that the crunchy Kardashians, mm-hmm. that being the original premise for the show. That's so I fun. love that. Yeah. Um, so, so what kinds of things do you think the show like was originally going to cover? Like, did you guys have like a lot planned out for like scenes and like trips before it ended up? Cause it no, was, we never. <laughs> Because it happened, like, the everything Sorry. sort of blew up when you were filming the pilot, right? Can you talk us through sort of the timeline of that? Yeah, so we never had to, like, plan the show. The show came about because Tess and I were working in L.A. And everywhere we would go, I mean, our careers, we have just crazy lives where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, Tess was doing Playboy. She was dating Kid Rock at the time. Oh my God. We were hanging out with like Sean Penn. Yeah, we were hanging out with like Sean Penn. We were doing Marilyn Manson music videos. Mm -hmm. We we really were having this like LA, typical LA experience. I guess it's not, I shouldn't say it's typical, but like our lives Mm -hmm. were, um, really exciting and fun but everywhere we went we would talk about manifestation and the power of your mind and how we're going to manifest these careers for ourselves and how we're going to blah blah you know we were talking about it and we were always kind of the bells of the ball and and mm. in these environments and what ended up happening was we were working on like some non-sag I was about to call it a shitty movie, but that would be rude. <laughs> but like some non-sag, like weird movie. Mm-hmm. And one of the producers and main actors in it um, just thought that we were like a riot. Like we were talking about all of the things we were doing, about how we were going to be famous, about, you know, yada, yada, yada. Right. We were talking mm-hmm. about, um yeah, the power of your mind, the manifestation, and and mm-hmm. um, and and you know we're eighteen years old, so it's not like <coughs> uh, we really we were you know in in TikTok they what is it now like we were delulu like we were delulu <laughs> like we were totally delusional, um, but it was working right like yeah, we were clearly. just a riot. We were a good time. We were a fun time. Mm. Um. And we were dating these rock stars and having these experiences and we were talking about it. And this producer that was on this movie kind of scouted us and was like, you girls are a riot. And we were like, if you think we're funny, you should meet our mom. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'd love to meet your mom. And so he met with my mom. And of course, my mom is a kook and a, a freaking riot herself. And, um, and they immediately were, we were like, this is a show. This is a show. This yeah. is 100%. There's Amazing. something here. And so we filmed a sizzle reel and, um, and yeah, and there was like no plot to the show. The show was that our lives are fucking crazy and they wanted to film them. Yeah. That was kind of like exploding at the time like reality shows that were just like here's a family yeah and we're just gonna watch them live their like crazy lives oh absolutely but once Osborne's exact oh my god newlyweds yeah 
so once the show once the show started, and we will get to the trial in a second and all of that stuff. And how much of the show was would you feel like was the producer said we want to do this thing, do this thing? Like it was like the show is not scripted. But like, how much influence did they have versus you being you as a family being like, this is what we want to yeah. do, this is how this episode is gonna go. Yeah, we had no control, so the whole thing was produced mm-hmm. after my arrest. Everything kind of took a very different turn, <clears throat> and I honestly don't know if the show would have gotten picked up if I hadn't been arrested. It was like the second that I was arrested, um, the show got greenlit, right? Because it was just a pilot, right? And so. Like the pilot had gone out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens is you, you, you film a sizzle and that is our real life. It's, it's lightly produced, right. but that is our real life. Like mm-hmm. dancing on the stripper poles, doing all the weird, you know, like new age. Now they call it biohacking technology that my mom was into meditation, the partying, <laughs> I think the pilot and the sizzle reel included the whole like Mickey, Mickey Avalon thing. I'm sorry guys. One second. (coughs) So that was all for the most part, very minimally produced Mm -hmm. and accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Then it, so they test that. Mm-hmm. And if it tests well, this the series gets picked up. So it gets shopped around to different networks. It gets picked up. You shoot the pilot. The pilot airs. And then you're in a holding pattern mm. to see if it's going to get picked up for a season. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if without my case, it would have necessarily been picked up. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. It was, it was wild. It was pretty wild. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Like watching the sort of the contrast in scenes, like in tone between like your very real like trial and like preliminary hearings and meetings for that where it was like, this is real shit going on. Mm -hmm. And then it would cut to like, Tess is on a date with Ryan Cabrera and he's being annoying. And it was just like so silly and light in comparison. I was like, this is like what they like wanted the show to be. And then this is sort of what it's becoming. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also you you spoke a little bit about the arrest, and as we know now from watching the documentary and uh, on Netflix and all, so the arrest itself, the actual arrest, was not caught on camera, <clears throat> but the producers yeah. basically had you reenact it. So I guess my question is, mm-hmm. what? How? I mean, how did that feel having to reenact something that was like, I assume traumatizing? traumatizing yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I pretty much like disassociated through the whole thing. I don't really have, I have very minimal like memories of what the days post arrest uh, entailed mm-hmm, for the most part. Of yeah. Uh, it was very traumatizing. It was really hard. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I think that I just, you know, and then I was also on, a ton of substances. So uh-huh. I have very kind of foggy memory of, of everything that transpired. But I remember getting out of jail and 
my personal camera crew was there and all of the press was there and I went home and I think I was just, it wasn't even denial. It's, it wasn't denial. It was like full blown disassociation of mm-hmm. like, this is what my life is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, went to bed and woke up the next morning. And when I woke up the next morning, the crew was there, hair and makeup was there, wardrobe was there. We were moving. Um, hmm. It was wild. My goodness. Yeah, it was, it was very, very surreal. And um, definitely uh, not easy to go through. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say. Yeah. And, and then like, hearing that like that scene was sort of like recreated and produced, I was wondering if there was anything else for the show that was like more heavily produced like that, because in watching it, I remember you guys had to move because the homeowners association was complaining about all the cameras. And then it was like the next episode you guys had moved. And I was like, what that happened so fast. Like how did that happen? Yeah. So they already had a house like picked out. Like they, they, the show did it's, Reality TV is not reality TV. For the most part, it's scripted. It's like you and Tess are going to fight. And then you're going to have a lunch together where you guys make up. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the whole situation in Mexico, um, where at the time, I believe that, like, Tess had told oh, TMZ. people yeah. in the press yeah. that, you know, and it was totally the producers who did that. Um, uh, the dog was never really missing. They were hiding the dog in the garage. Oh, oh my god! So that way we would freak out. But you guys didn't know that. That's terrifying. No, it's like it's literally like mental. It's like war. Like you, yeah. it's you against the production crew. It is so. Um, <clears throat> you know that now. You so dirty. Yeah. The way that they play that, and mm-hmm. it's so interesting actually because I recently met with like another producer who previously worked with one of the producers one of the lead producers on my show and he stopped working with her because he was like she is so manipulative and dirty mm-hmm. and like these are people's lives yeah and um no because i remember like, watching yeah, the netflix documentary i lived experience and they had the two two of the producers of the show yeah and i just remember watching the uh, interviews with them and i'm like I'm sorry. They sound evil. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the way they were like laughing about events and like, I'm like, I'm like the things that have been described <clears throat> are fucked up. Yeah. And they thought it was just funny and part of the show. And I was yeah. like, cannot, cannot imagine working with producers like this. I know when you see other people's like struggles as pure entertainment, that's when you need to. <laughs> yeah. Like truly like. Well, yeah. Yourself. And it's like, they knew too. And, and again, I take like full responsibility for my drug addiction. I take full responsibility for my part in the bling ring. I take, you know, it's like clearly this is like an 18 year old severely traumatized individual. Of this course, is like yeah. not somebody that's mentally stable or healthy mm-hmm. and dumping our drugs in Mexico and like sending us into withdrawal. Um, oh, wow. Is and flushing our drugs down the toilet is like probably a pretty bad idea. Oh and my like, God. Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, there was just so many things that were that were fucked up that led, you know, planting 
drugs in my bathroom and telling my mom to go in and find them and call me a drug addict on like national television. Yeah. It doesn't matter if she's right or not. Yeah. Right. The truth is I was a drug addict, mm-hmm. but nobody deserves to be humiliated of on course, purpose yeah. um, when they have, a, again, like the, the extensive amount of trauma that I had. And and I don't speak empathy and I have no resentment or anger towards them. I think that the entire situation was fucked up. And honestly, like the, the plug should have been pulled the second that I was arrested. Yeah. Right. Like all, it should have all ended there and it didn't. And, uh, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. I also, uh, so yeah, after, there was, there was a movie made about the, uh, the bling ring and the whole incident and, and whatnot. And I remember one of the things that you said about the movie is that you, it was, it, the movie was starring uh, Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. And you said that you hated the comments about your character. Well, would you mind saying like what she said and what you thought about it? Yeah. What did you think of her portrayal? Yeah. It's so in- yeah, it's so interesting because, so I've never seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually was unaware of the comments that she had made about me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to, I was I was interviewing this incredible doctor, Dr. Gabor Mate. Um, his book, In the Realm of the Hungry Ghost, has changed my life. He's an addictionologist that works with the transient population in the downtown east side of Vancouver. Remarkable man. Um, has been in this field for 35 plus years now and he is kind of like the new thought leader in the addiction um uh realm and he talks a lot about the correlation between trauma and addiction and anyway i was i was interviewing this man um Mm -hmm. right after the movie came out and there was press going around and at the end of my interview with him he said, can I ask you a question? And I thought that that was really interesting. Um, first of all, I didn't even know that he knew who I was at all. I simply was working as like a freelance writer for Vice Magazine. Mm-hmm. No idea. You know, uh, I, I was just simply curious to learn about him and wanted the opportunity to interview Yeah, uh, such an incredible, great mind like his is. So, um, uh, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. And he goes, I think it's very telling the comments that Emma Watson made about you personally, about how messed up we are as a human population. Here's a, a woman who's portraying you in a movie, a woman who's a, a leader, an ambassador for the United Nations, speaking about somebody who now has publicly come out talking about her history of trauma. Mm-hmm. Who said I cut out? Am I here with you guys? Yes. Yeah. You're back. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's a woman who's talked freely about her, her history of severe early childhood sexual trauma, abuse, mm-hmm. neglect, <clears throat> who's sober and I don't even recall the the exact quote um, or whatever Emma had said about me, but I do think that it's telling. Um, our inability to have empathy for people who suffer from addiction 
um, our inability to connect, to be willing to be vulnerable. So here she is, she's playing this character of this like clearly very traumatized person mm-hmm. in a movie. Mm-hmm. And part of this is not even her fault. It's, it's the, the whole, um, Oh, uh, the whole feeling kind of of the movie. I really feel like uh, uh, Sofia Coppola really had an opportunity to speak to uh, a major issue within our society. Yeah. Uh, and she turned it in kind of into this like pop culture, um, silly hit piece. Yeah. But anyway, she really did. Uh, it was very, it was very shallow Emma portrayal Watson, of everything. I feel like yeah, very like, shallow, the character and the movie. I agree. Yeah, It was just like, Oh, here's like a um, silly but, teenage, like, yeah, like girl, like portrayal of just like anyone versus like digging into. Yeah. And I don't like, know if like that was just, I don't know if that's just the writing or if it was the cast. To right. like their ability to get that deep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is that this this is a story of, and I don't know if you've seen Rachel Rachel's documentary on HBO, um, but I mean that e- even my documentary on Netflix, it still was very, um, it, it wasn't, it was it was less shallow than anything else that I've ever participated in. Um, but I said the, the, the documentary with Rachel kind of really took volumes to the reality of what was transpiring, um, <laughs> both for us individually and where, where we're still at very much. So still at today as a, as a society. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she made some, comment about how she finds me disgusting or something like that, or like insufferable, or I can't, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but you know, it just, it, 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 uh, I think it's, it's clear that, um, yeah, we have an inability to, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We, we like to other ourselves. It's Mm -hmm. interesting because one of my favorite quotes I have a tattooed on my body is how should we treat others? there are no others. Mm. And I think that that's really like the root of, of our demise right now, kind of as a species. It's like, we love to other each other. Like I'm better than you. Yeah. Right? I'm different than you. You're worse than me. Mm. Right. You know, the problem is out there, out there, out there, out there. And it's like, no, the problem is, is within us. Yeah. Um, but actually you want to hear something funny is I was literally I walked into a restaurant, a very small, intimate, and I don't know why these things happen to me, where like I go into my hairstylist um, chair for the first time, and Rachel Lee is his assistant, and I haven't seen her since I was oh, arrested. Wow. Oh, wow. Or um, I was walking into this really small uh, restaurant about a month ago with a couple of sponsees of mine after a meeting. And um, the table next to me mm-hmm. is Emma Watson and her friends. Oh my god! Like in a a, a, a restaurant that has <laughs> like maybe a total of twenty tables in it. Wow. I'm like, why? It's weird that this type of stuff just keeps happening to yeah. me. I did you guys speak and I don't or know say hello or anything? 
No, it was like a, mm, <laughs> you know, interesting. Yeah, but I have no hard feelings too. Right, right. But yeah, it's like. Although I'll also say, like we're all we're all evolving at whatever pace we're evolving at, and I'm not here to say that like my evolution is more profound or greater than hers is. It's just like we're all we're all where we're at, and my goal and hope for humanity is that we are able to be to be willing to be more vulnerable to meet with our darkness, yeah. to welcome it, to embrace it, to transmute it, to alchemize it, to connect with each other so that way we can have more peace and isn't that kind of like what acting is supposed to be like playing a character's sort of trying to like empathize with that character understand like their entire like being like especially when you're portraying a real person i feel Mm -hmm. like you know like it's kind of it's kind of crazy to me that like a amazing actor like that wouldn't really try to go deep and, exactly i feel like, like you, you think they they would be right but if it's the like movie more like caricaturing and exactly. like making fun of a but exactly if the premise itself was meant for that then yeah i mean it know. was it was a bad movie i'll say it <laughs> yeah i yeah. agree that they had a great opportunity for something and mm-hmm. sophia coppola really dropped the ball on yeah it. no you also spoke about so you spoke about your you know your recovery and evolution and stuff like that and you mentioned your podcast a little bit so your podcast is i'm not sure if you're still making it. it's called recovering from reality that's the name correct so what was the podcast about yeah, and what do you it, think it kind of like brought what was the goal behind it and what do you think you you personally got from it yeah, so I've been sober for um, almost 13 years. Congrats. That's awesome. And um, <clears throat> one thing that I learned in my early recovery is like the way that we stay sober is through service. And that anytime that I'm feeling, um, anytime that I'm going through struggles personally, when I jump into the act of service, it, it typically helps. Um, Okay, so the podcast was kind of birthed out of um, a really dark period of my sobriety. I was suicidally depressed. Hmm. Um, I was, you know, and I don't want to scare people. The, the, the beauty, the beauty of, of actual recovery is that um, we, can, we can live life on life's terms. And we, there is a solution. And, um, and that these kind of dark side of when we don't resist these dark night of the soul experiences it it turns us into uh more evolved individuals right and so i was in the midst of this like really deep depression i was having suicidal ideation i was extremely uh vulnerable and my now ex-husband uh said to me alexis i think you should start a podcast I think you just need to talk and I think you need to serve and I think it needs to be a space for you to be creative and to flow. And initially the podcast was and honestly, it's like amazing because I, I listened back to where I was five years ago. <coughs> um, <clears throat> and no judgment towards myself at all, but like I was just such a different person with such different perspectives mm-hmm. on life than where I am even today which I kind of like because it's almost like a live diary for me, but it yeah. was really birthed out of this, of, of this dark place. And um, 
and I made some beautiful connections and it was an opportunity to hold space for that vulnerability and for people to show up as they were um, and to have difficult conversations with people. And we talked about, about things political. Mm-hmm. We talked about things socioeconomic. We talked about things with, with race and a lot of sobriety mm-hmm. um, and a lot of healing mm-hmm. and a lot of addiction um, and some funny, you know, everything in between. It was just like a, a space for me to, have conversations with people and it was it was really successful i'm so grateful for every listener that um joined in and tuned in and i had to retire it when i got divorced because Mm -hmm. i just had to one i needed to heal Mm -hmm. of course yeah really bad um and that required me to kind of like power down for a little bit yeah and then coming out of that healing phase i i accepted a new position as um on an executive team for a <coughs> a crisis intervention um team um oh. the director of admissions over there for crisis case management and um i've been just grinding for them like 60 hours a week so Oh we'll wow! See. Eventually, maybe I'll bring it back. But right now, I'm loving what I'm doing, and again, it's service, and um, it's great. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Hmm. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, back to uh, back to the show itself and the documentary. So, when I watch the documentary and the show itself. I feel like in the show, you were like, for some reason, painted as if you were the uh, leader yeah, of the Bling the Ring. Yeah, for sure. And do you think that was on purpose to kind of like make it more exciting for the show? Right. For you to be like, she's in charge of th- this whole thing. Right. Yeah, I don't really have the answer to that. Yeah. Um, probably. And, um, you know, and I don't want to speculate. Um, I think, you know, there's that thing, sex sells, scandal sells, mm. right? And I think the more scandal, the better. Um, I was kind of on a gag order from my attorney on what I could and couldn't say. And so it was tough, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but we we did the best we could, and um, it is what it is. And yeah, that lawyer and, was a star <laughs> of the show. I wonder how he felt about suddenly being a reality TV star and all this. Oh no, he loved it. That's the most fucked up thing. Yeah, they all it kind of seemed the like cops he did. Loved it. <laughs> the cops loved it. The producers loved it. The district attorney loved it. Um, Didn't one of the cops or something end up consulting on the movie? One of the I heard one of them. Yeah, that's wild. That's so LA. I think that I think and most of mm -hmm. my codependent, most of my co codependents. That's how sober I am. Um, (laughs) Most of my co defendants ended up walking with no jail time because he did that. Right, it was like a conflict of interest. 
Wow. Isn't that insane? No, that, yeah, because yeah, I remember saying that they mentioned that in the documentary on Netflix. They were like, yeah, everyone was enjoying being a star <laughs> yeah. on, like, on the expense of, of you know, this, this teen who's like struggling and, yeah. and all of that, which is, like you said, it's just <laughs> absolutely fucked up. And also one thing that like caught my attention in the, uh, in the uh, Netflix documentary was, what's his name? Nick. Yeah, the the like actual ringleader guy. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know, obviously, I don't think obviously you have any like relationship with him now and stuff. And I don't even have questions about it except the fact that he was just just like watching Nick, he was like kind of like enjoying it. And he was it was funny just like how ups, kind of upset he was by the fact that you were painted as the ringleader kind of taking the uh spotlight from him. Right. And like he kind of was... seemed like he always just wanted to be famous. That was his whole MO. Exactly. And like even still now, to this day, being interviewed about the crimes he committed, he's like liking it almost. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I I certainly can't speak for Nick and I can't say what his intentions were for the documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can say that I agree with you that I don't I don't think that he was portrayed and it's not that the, that the amazing director who I adore portrayed him in any specific way. I don't think he came off very well is what I'll say. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think that the obsession with fame and money and, status is um something that is a very big contributing factor to this case mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah i also yeah. feel like the like the 2000s the pop culture like that we were obsessed with at the time was reflected in this case and in the show in a lot of ways like the late 2000s Perez Hilton, celeb, obviously the celeb obsession era, but then also the obsession at the time with sort of like watching people who we think like have it all kind of lose it all or experience like hardship. Like I feel like at Absolutely. the time we were obsessed with like watching like Lindsay Lohan get DUIs and like Britney Spears, like shaving and her all head of her, off. Yeah, yeah, shaving yeah. her, <laughs> shaving her hair off. Yeah. And then like watching you guys like have a glamorous life and then like face consequences quote unquote like for your actions and i feel like yeah i feel like it was a very like representative like late 2000s kind exactly, of like we yeah. like to watch other people like it's mostly it's also pain. like mostly like young women watch young women yeah, yeah exactly just like suffer it's, and go through it yeah yeah without because, empathy basically. yeah because not, it wasn't even like even it's not it wasn't even the ones living a glamorous life just right. young like it's like for example like monica Lewinsky. right she yeah. was just like you know an intern and they were like we're gonna ruin her life right this is fun mm-hmm. uh so yeah just like seeing that and just being like how mean I, mm-hmm. I mean that's the it's not the best word to describe it but like how like fucked up was the media just like these, it was like, yeah young women are just like enjoying their hardships was such a was such a time yeah 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 that's i feel like the show would be very different now like that's a truly like you couldn't make this show now for the better like i feel like i hope i don't know maybe i'm too optimistic about like tv and the media that w- wouldn't be as like finding joy in it you know 
I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are there in terms of reality TV, if you had to be on reality TV again, <laughs> do you have a show that you would want to go on? Oh my gosh. I I watch no reality TV at all aside from Great <laughs> British Bake Off. Oh yeah. And the reason <laughs> the reason why I watch that show is because it's not, you know, like American yeah. cooking shows. It's always like it's so cutthroat. You're in it for twenty five thousand dollars, yeah. And you know, and here are these sweet, sweet people <laughs> who just want to bake and helping each other. They, they don't get anything. Yeah, they, they show don't. up every single week. It's they so nice. win nothing, and they do it because they just love to bake. And so I think it is the sweetest, sweetest gentlest show and i would if so if i had to pick it would definitely be great british bake-off i totally agree with you even even the fact that they help each other they like help each other happens, yeah they're like oh i, I finished know. in time let me help you it's so i know pure. i mean talk about a show though that's like about real human connection and like encouraging each other and being yeah. empathetic and and showing diversity and you know uh it, and all of it it's just it is the sweetest thing i just love that show so much and i think that um you know and it's it's just it's so kitschy and cute and so yeah i think there's american it. versions i think right you could get on there <laughs> is it as wholesome you, uh, i no, don't trust it's not the my same, baking but... abilities do you I bake? am not. I'm not a home baker. No, no, I'm not a home baker. But um, yeah, just an observer of the craft. You, yeah, know, you know what? Maybe, maybe if you like it, they will have you as a like as a guest host or something on it. That <laughs> yeah. would be that would be fun. <laughs> just you get to like taste I, I, it. I also, I also love Dancing with the Stars too. I, I mean, I think it's still it's produced. It's the sob stories. It's whatever. But I, I do love Dancing with the Stars, and I've had a few friends that have been on that show and had have, have had wonderful experiences. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. So I think that that's great. Seems hard too. to manipulate, like, just literal dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's only so much producer manipulation that can happen. Yeah. No, no. I just, I mean, like, still, like, the stories in the background. Right, right. Like, it's still, it's a production. Right. Um. But I've had a few friends that have gone on that I've had wonderful experiences. Oh, that's amazing. And my daughter is a dancer. And so we do watch that one too. So I guess that, that that's, you know, I, I only watch, I guess, those two competition realities. Yeah. No, there's another one. And, um, um, both of those would be great. Yeah. There's another one that I love because I love British <laughs> Bake Off also. There's a great British pottery show where it's literally like, British Bake Off, oh. but they're competing to make pottery. And it's just as calming, just as pure. I'm just watching them just throw clay oh. bowls. You should check it out. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So much whole, uh, like wholesome, so wholesome television. I know. It's like, it's therapy to me. I'm just like, I need the soothing sounds and like British voices on in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess, okay, I guess another question I have is that you were talking about, so, uh, how, how many kids do you have now? I have two kids. Yeah. Um, Harper, who's 10, and Dakota, who's 7. Oh. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so sweet. So from, I guess from your experience and your, your family and your mom and stuff like that, I guess, 
how how do you feel that like shifted or kind of like influenced the way that now you raise your own kids like like i, I just feel like we all like when we have our own kids we're just like, oh i just want to be different i just want i just want stuff to be different from how i was raised i don't know if that makes sense and uh like the values you want to instill in them and, and all of that and i guess like how has your life and show and like being in the show and ev- everything has influenced how you are as a mom now yeah that's a great question it's really interesting because um obviously it's no surprise that i had like a really fucked up childhood <laughs> um mm-hmm. and um and that my mom was was a part of that and she she owns that she was not the greatest parent mm-hmm. um and what i'll say is especially now that i'm a single mom of two kids i have so much love and empathy for that woman mm. could she have done better absolutely right i'm doing better mm. because I made the decision to get sober and better my life and, and to be, you know, the best mom that I could be. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's just the reality of what is. And like, there's no point in remaining angry. There's no point of attaching myself to that story any longer. There's no point in, um, staying resentful towards her. And in fact, my freedom, uh, because here's the thing, when we are angry and when we stay resentful, we actually end up just continuing the same patterns Yeah, because we're stuck there. Energetically, we're stuck there. Emotionally, we're stuck there. Um, What we resist persists. Hmm. And so over the course of my 12 years of sobriety, it's it's happened in stages where I've had more and more acceptance, love, tolerance, forgiveness for who she is as a person and my father as well for mm-hmm. who he is as a person. And um and as a result of that work, and it is work, mm-hmm. uh it's work and it's willingness and it's discipline that has gotten me to this point. Uh, I'm able to be an incredible mom and to feel confident about saying that, that my children know that I'm a safe space, that we can really talk about anything, that um, that we're able to communicate effectively, mm-hmm. that, you know, they won't ever be cursed at or abused or see their mom under the influence mm-hmm. um, that they feel like they're a priority in my life and that they feel really accepted and, and supported uh, by both me and their father. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, Evan's an incredible dad. He's getting his PhD in psychology right now. And, oh, wow. um, you know, they, they are just so loved and so well taken care of and so cared about. And they've had very different, uh, childhoods than, than what me or their dad went, went through as children. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a blessing. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
to be able to be their, their mother. And, um, and I love, I absolutely love being a parent. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. What did you guys do for Halloween? What did you guys go as? <laughs> uh, my sister Gabby always makes us do a full family theme. Oh. oh so uh, in June, she decided that we were going to be Toy Story. <laughs> in June. So, She's uh, wild. Planning in advance. Yeah. Uh, I, I posted a picture and I'll send it. I'll send it to you. So you can yeah, absolutely. Funny. But I was Barbie, Dakota was Buzz Lightyear, Harper was Jesse, Gabby was Little Bo Peep, you know, it, we just, the whole, my mom was Mr. Mrs. Potato Head, you know, the whole thing. Was, Cute. I, I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. I need to see that picture. Um, so I do have one final question about the show. Mm-hmm. So... There was, of course, the infamous uh, Nancy Joe phone call scene, um, which Nancy Joe, where is your journalistic integrity? Like, truly, <laughs> she <laughs> did not write like an accurate article. Yes. And I agree. Mainly because she wrote that you were wearing six inch Louboutins to court. And can you just clear the record once and for all? What type of shoes were you wearing to court? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the record has been clear for Nancy Joe. If you're listening, I know it makes her more mad every time I say (laughs) they were in these little brown BB heels, little Uh, brown BB heels. They are, and she she does. She's still very angry about that. (laughs) How could she just lie? She's a journalist. Like I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no, truly. Like that's a like. Are they not editors? Come on, like fact checkers. No, I would have been mad too. Yeah, I'm I'm fully on your side on that one. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well there you have it. (laughs) Yeah, there you have it. Yes. Uh, Do we want to do villain of the week? Yeah. Okay. Okay, So we do a segment every uh, episode called Villain of the Week, where our lives are reality TV show basically, and every TV show has a villain. So, Mahanad, who is your villain of the week? Okay, my villain of this week is, uh, again, I've done it before, and I'm going to do it again. It is the uh, New York subway. Ah, yes. The New York subway, but not the New York subway per se. It is the high schoolers and middle schoolers who take the New York subway. They are my sworn enemy. (laughs) And as you're listening right now, watch out, because I am watching. Yesterday, they went in the subway at like 8 p.m., 8 p.m. Yeah. I just know their high school because, like, they were in a group. Well, they always take it as a whole school together. Exactly. Yeah. And they came in yelling. <laughs> and then, literally, one of them opens. First of all, they put their phone down. They were doing TikTok dances, like, literally four of them. Yeah. Like, of course. Bad coordination. I don't, I, I hope to see the video on You're going to be, like, in the background of a TikTok exactly. dance, just looking so pissed. Just a 30 years old, so pissed off <laughs> in the background. And then, one of them opens their bags. They're. And so much Pringles just goes all over the floor. <laughs> and then some like, just like Nutella and stuff. Oh. And they, and like a piece of paper, whatever. And they leave it all on the floor and just leave the subway. And I was like, what, what kind of life are you living? Just loose Pringles. Just loose out of their Pringles. Bag. Also, why was the loose Pringles in the back to start with? Right. 
like I was in a tube. And I was so mad. Like I was just like, I was like, am I, am I either too old now or something that I'm just so pissed off at them because of that? Yeah. But they just left it. I and I literally just went and I just took another subway car because I was like, I don't want people to think this was me. No, it's like whenever it's like three or 4 p.m. and I get on the subway and then suddenly <laughs> they all come on. I'm like, oh no. Cause you truly get stuck in a swarm of them. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the no, I'm, I'm scared by them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The mayor, if you're doing anything about that, please, <laughs> please. The subway should be based on age. Like if you're <laughs> if you're under the age of 22, maybe. Yeah, I don't want you in the same car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Adults only. Subway. What about you? Who's your villain of this week? Okay, this week my villain is doctors that keep sending me bills in the mail for things that I've already decided I don't feel like paying for. <laughs> and I've I've communicated to that to them by not paying for them. When it comes to okay, so I pay all my bills on time. I'm very very responsible financially. But when it comes to medical bills, for some reason, I'm just like I don't want to. Like yeah, exactly. I have insurance. Like I'm pissed off that they're charging me for like stupid shit, and it's way more expensive than it needs to be. So sometimes I just like let bills sit for a while, and then until I feel like paying them. Yeah. But I don't, and they keep sending me them, and I'm like, you're fine. You should send you should send a letter <laughs> back to doctors and be like, what are, you, what are you asking me for money for? Are you broke? Yeah, I are you, you okay? A doctor. Are you okay? <laughs> and it's also, like, the one that I'm now avoiding paying, even though I will, but it's, like, it's literally for when a doctor, like, removed earwax from my ear, and is charging, like, $400 to look inside my ear. Like, it did not cost you that much to do it. I'm just, I, on principle, I know don't exactly want to pay more who than the doctor was, yeah. because I, <laughs> yep, yep. It was your referral. It and that's my... not even the reason I was there. I was there for my nose. Yeah. And she was no. like, I'm just going to do this while you're here. Yep, I was tricked into I was that, like, Great. too. I didn't realize my... I was going to be billed for a surgery. I know. Yeah, they were like, we cleaned your ear, and now you owe us money. I'm like, put it back. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's my villain. Alexis, do you have a villain? Anything this week? Yeah, mine mine will be the Santa Ana winds. I don't know if you guys know what that is. No, I not mean, really. Maybe, maybe you do. This is a California I've thing. I've heard of it, but yeah. This time of year, and and everybody who's listening who's not from California is going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? This time of year... It's so dry. It's so hot. It's so dusty. And we get these like massive winds with 70 mile an hour gusts and it becomes like a fire has everywhere. And they do, they shut down your power because uh, they're afraid of fire starting okay. so because of the fucking Santa Ana winds we will go hours without power for several weeks they'll just go block by block and start shutting off power and then turning it back on it fucking sucks and my allergies like can't handle it yeah 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 that fucking sucks yeah it seems like they should like california should have figured out how to deal with wind by now like have some kind of structural like backup energy source in place if it's literally like wind will just destroy everything yeah, I think I think that's yeah. New York would the would the uh would rain. Yeah. When it rains bad, they're like, I think the city is just gonna drown and yeah. we'll never fix this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be like, but you will you'll pay more for the subway, is that okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. That'll help. Yeah, that'll help. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. Thank you so this much. Was, for having me. This was so much fun. Honestly, like there was very insightful and 
you know, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Yeah. All well, right. everyone, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.